everyone. My name is Monty Rowland, and I'm coming to you from North Carolina. My call sign is KO4NQF. This morning, I'd like to talk about developing a communications plan for our local community emergency response team. And I think that it's important to consider that um, what we're doing here and the methodology we're using to develop this plan could also apply to your local group that you're working with. You, it might be that it's a group, a prepper type group or a mutual assistance group or a, a just a neighborhood watch or any local group that needs to communicate. In this case, we're focusing on an emergency, but it could also apply to other cases. But we're definitely focusing on emergency here. So let's start out by kind of laying some groundwork and saying for our CERT team, there are two major cases we're trying to uh, plan for. One case is where we're deployed. And so a deployed CERT team means that the CERT team has been asked by the county or local municipality or city to go out and assist first responders in dealing with that emergency. So you can, you can definitely, if you're interested, look up more about community emergency response teams. There are a bunch of teams all across the country. It's people who really want to help. The other case we're working with is a situation where it's an extended emergency. So if we're deployed, we'll be deployed for an afternoon or a day or a few days. But in an extended emergency, it's a different situation because we're not deployed. So in that case, what we want to do is to be able to support each other and to be able to support the community. In order to do that, we have to be able to communicate. So I'm going to focus this talk mainly on the long-term emergency or longer-term emergency. And the deployed communication plan is just a subset of the longer-term one. So in a longer-term emergency, one of the big things you have a struggle with is power. So those of you that um, been watching the news, you saw where Moore County was out of power because someone shot transformers with a rifle, transformers failed, and substation went down. This is a common form of attack. A lot of people don't realize this, but there are hundreds of incidences across the country over the past few years where substations have been attacked by people with a rifle or other ways. Uh, one case was a drone where someone was carrying a, a fiber behind the drone and they tried to lay that across two lines. So needless to say that our power grid is vulnerable. And so being without power is, is a possibility. And as we've entered this period of low-intensity conflict in America, it's more of a likelihood. What happened in Moore County, where the power went out for several days because the substation was attacked, is something that most likely course of action is it's going to happen again. Is it in your county? Is it somewhere else's county? Who knows? But Moore County is a fairly rural county, a large county. It's not a place where you would think that someone would 
make that kind of a statement. Now, Moore County is also close to military base. There's a lot of special forces. There's a lot of special forces people that live in Moore County. So maybe there's a linkage there, maybe not, but that's kind of beyond the scope of what we're talking about today. But so the one thing the Moore County incident, which was just two weeks ago, taught us was this can have that we can have an emergency close to home that we never saw coming. You know, in the in the southeastern U.S. here, we are used to the prospect of hurricanes every year. So there's people here have generators, have water, have ways to feed themselves for a few days. And so there's a lot of that mentality of a hurricane. But when it came to the substation attack, there was no warning. With a hurricane, we know for a week or more that this hurricane's coming. With the substation attack, power just went out. So what we want to do with our communications plan is, is have a robust way to communicate in a variety of situations. Maybe there's power, maybe there's not. When we think about the layers of this plan, the first layer is the people who need help. And so we've got to have a way for those people to communicate with the people who can help them. Now, when we think about that, that path, we kind of have these layers of people that are need help, people who have some communication ability, and people who have even more advanced communication ability. So what we want to do with our communications plan is to help facilitate that communication so that we can help people who need help get help. And help could come in a, a variety of ways. So our methodology of developing a plan has been to um, do this in stages. So the first stage was we had actually had an exercise where we simulated um, an emergency and, and we had people running around the county and, and, and doing simulating things that you might have to do in an emergency. For example, one of the tasks I was given was go to go to the airport um, and check in. And, and this was a the simulated emergency was choreographed. And so I had myself and a, um, another CERT member, we drove to the local airport. Based on instructions we were given, then we called in what we pretended to see. So this mock situation. In this case, we were saying that the airport was still functional, even though people had reported it wasn't. And that was part of this emergency. So in order to do that, we had to communicate with our incident command. So in a longer-term situation, your incident command may be at home. And so how do, we, how do we communicate the fact that we need to check on someone to all the way to the point of we checked on them, here's the situation, and help them get help? And more importantly than that is how do they let someone know that they need to be checked on or given help? And so what we want to do is to develop that plan. And when we went through our, our exercise, after the exercise, we did a lessons learned. And one of the things we came out was, was you know, here are the places that our communications, we had issues. We had, did have some technical issues. And so we wanted to address those. But more importantly, we realized that we really needed to think through a communications plan at a higher level and have that better worked out to make that smoother. 
And then also, too, it became obvious that we needed to think about communications plan in a longer-term emergency versus just deployed. So that was kind of how we got started. So in this case, I uh, started writing a skeleton of the things that I thought the communications plan needed, kind of an outline. I did this using a mind mapping tool. And mind maps are great for this type of work. Um, and so we used that mind mapping tool to create that outline and started filling that in. So then the next step where we currently are is to discuss what we have so far. And part of that, dis that discussion serves a couple of purposes. One is it gets us talking about the different elements. Not always creating solutions, but talking about those elements and getting people in the group that are interested in helping develop our plan to discuss it and start thinking about what are our challenges, where do we want to go, kind of these basic what, when, where, and how kind of questions. And having that outline gave us something to beat on, to say, okay, this, this is good, this is bad. Um, oh, yeah, what about this? So we needed that outline and started to really provide that structure and organization, which now what we can start doing is to fill that in. So in my day job, uh, one of my tasks is to uh, help drive innovation at the company I work for. And one of the ways we do that is to conduct brainstorming sessions. So far with our plan development, communications plan development, we've kind of done this roundtable approach and, and discussed, you know, what's important to us and you know, here's some things that, you know, maybe we should look at and do a little research on. I think probably the next step after we finish our roundtable discussion tonight maybe to start doing some brainstorming. So kind of the path I see forward with that is one is we'll, we'll define some buckets and those will come from our outline. So a bucket is where we say, here's a subject area that we need to look at. So for example, a bucket might be low power communication. A bucket might be receiving help requests from the community. A bucket might be, how do we, how do we link non-HAM operators with HAM operators? How do, how do we do these different things? And so the buckets help provide these little focus areas and those can come from our outline. So once we've created those buckets, then the next thing we'll want to do is to do something called brain writing. So with the brain writing, what we'll do is take those buckets, create a challenge question, and actually probably some specific challenge questions also. And a challenge question will be, you know, how do we accomplish this? And I'll define that question. And then specific questions may push it further down our rabbit hole, things like, well, how do we define, uh, or excuse me, how do we communicate between layers of capabilities? So hams versus non-hams. Another challenge question would be, how do we integrate cell phone technology into this? So there may be some, so we'll create those challenge questions, and then we'll use those to do what's called brain writing. So with brain writing, what we'll do is ask everyone to schedule some time, some uninterrupted time, and take those challenge questions 
and those buckets and then come up with ideas that those drive. And those ideas may fall in a, one of those buckets. They may address a challenge question, but there may be an idea that is outside of something we anticipated. At this point, when we start, before we start the brain writing, we'll talk about some rules of brainstorming. So one of the things is that brainstorming is in this intimate, creative process. And the reason why I say it's intimate is because you have to be willing to dream. You have to be willing to throw out ideas. And then the other part of that is, is that you have to be willing to throw out crazy ideas. So in brainstorming, one of the big roles is that there are no bad ideas. So what we want to do is to encourage everyone to throw out ideas. So someone may say, hey, in the flow of the process, may say, you know, if we were to take a stick and put a corn dog on it and put it on top of the car, could we communicate that way by wiggling the corn dog? At first you go, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. How do you do that? No, you stop. You don't do that. Because when someone throws out a crazy idea, and I threw out this ridiculously crazy idea, but when someone throws out a crazy idea, someone else in the room may look at that and go, oh, you know, what if we oscillated the frequency responder of, or whatever? And so it may lead to something that actually really, really works. So with brainstorming, it's a journey as well as a destination. And so the journey may start with a re- ridiculous and crazy idea, but then somebody builds on that idea with something that's not as crazy. Then maybe someone builds on that idea with someone that something that really, really is a great idea and works well. And probably we might have not have gotten to the great idea that really works well if someone hadn't thrown out the crazy idea and then we kind of ran from there. So I think that's an important rule is that there are no bad ideas in brainstorming. There may be some crazy ideas, but hey, we take those crazy ideas, we embrace them and see if someone in the room builds on that and then that turns into a wonderful, amazing idea. So there's no bad ideas in brainstorming. So we don't judge. Typically, once you start judging during the brainstorming process, the process ends. So that first step of brain writing, where we ask people by themselves to sit down and then go through and come up with ideas. And so a lot of time, a good way to do that is to put them on a post-it note. So you have a stack of post-it notes in front of you and a pen or a pencil. You write down that idea and then you stick it, you pull it off the pad and you stick it to the side. And so one of the reasons it's really nice to use a post-it note is because you focus on a small area and it tends to help you focus. You take that post-it note, you put it aside. So the physical act of taking that off the thing and sitting it over here reinforces that inside, mentally inside your head, you've moved on to the next idea. Whereas if you have like a list of ideas, it's tough because you can see what you just did on the paper. So I think a lot of times doing that physical step 
helps you to, to go to the next idea and kind of gets you in this flow of create an idea, move to the next idea, create an idea, move to the next idea. It helps keep you from getting too overly focused in one spot. And that helps with the quality of the ideas. In a good brainstorming session, within a couple of one to two hours, an ideal result is to come up with 100 to 150 ideas. They can be point ideas that are very limited in scope, and they could be big ideas that are broad in scope. But the idea is to start generating those ideas. And then what we'll do is take that brainwriting session, get together for a brainstorming session. Now, a lot of times with brainstorming sessions, when you have a really large group, you may do that in two sections. One is that you break down into small groups and you brainstorm. You bring those results to the big group, and then you brainstorm as a big group. In our case, we probably will have meetings that have between two to six people. So we'll probably the next step is for everybody to take the brainwriting results and then do a group brainstorming session. So what we'll do there is to take and, and take more sticky notes, and then people will go and we'll have time periods where we throw out a challenge question or throw out some buckets and say, okay, now let's, let's create some ideas around this. So everybody has that time period where we can work and then take those ideas and put them on the board. So then what we want to do is take those ideas and put them on the board and then share them with the group. So someone comes up and reads those. Now, generally what we'll do is we'll take those ideas and we'll break them down in, on the board. So different spots on the wall or board correspond to a buckets we created. We have a bucket that says notification from community. That's where we'll put, we have a bucket that says ideas for ham radio communication. That's where it'll go. Alternative forms of communication. So ideas that, and these are all arbitrary buckets at this point, but, but so the ideas related to alternative forms of communication would go on the wall in that area. So we're functionally grouping these. So then what we want to do is to share those with the group, not evaluate. So we're not going to evaluate or criticize ideas until we're done brainstorming. Because once you start criticizing ideas, done brainstorming, even if you don't want to be. So what we'll do is we'll have we'll share those ideas with the group, and then we'll have another session where we sit down and do some more brainstorming. So now you can see what your neighbor suggested, and that may lead you to bigger ideas and, or other ideas. And so then we'll take that, and then we'll sit down and go through those ideas. We'll end our brainstorming portion, and then we'll start evaluating those ideas and prioritizing those ideas. And then we'll break up, we'll assign to-do items, we'll break up, and then we'll go to the next step. So that'll take those to-do items, and we'll get back together with those to-do items, maybe do another brainstorming session if we need to, but also start taking our results and start weaving that back into the communications plan. So I do want to emphasize that it's important that when we're doing brainstorming, there are no bad ideas, and we don't criticize or evaluate ideas until we're done brainstorming. And, and that, too, is a way to help keep from hurting feelings because if, if, if you throw an idea up and you think it's great and then the whole group criticizes it, you're probably not going to throw another idea up. Whereas if we look at it and we read it, we say, okay, and then we go to the next idea, and then 
That way we can build on these ideas as a group and not just limit ourselves. Whereas if we criticize too quick, we're going to limit ourselves. So while we're brainstorming, we follow those rules. We're done brainstorming. It'll be obvious we're done. And at that point, we understand we're evaluating, you know, forming some additional preconceptions, and then we're assigning to do items. So I think that's hopefully how the next stage will go. The big elements here that we're bringing into bear, uh, one is to solicit ideas from the group and solicit feedback. Everybody has something to add. If you're not adding technical stuff, the, there's also a human element. So you may be the least technically inclined person in the group, but you may be the best when it's how, thinking through how does the group interact with the public, how does it interact with itself, that, what is that human element? You may be very technical and you may not be pushing those human elements forward. Instead, you're maybe you're pushing the ideas about, you know, this band or that band or this antenna. And so that all applies. And that's kind of the idea of breaking this down into buckets and using those challenge questions so that we can take those ideas and, and grab them, capture them, and then build on them. So once we have our brainstorming session done, we can assign our to-do items and we can iterate through this process where we, um, we brainstorm, we evaluate, we form new preconceptions, and we go work on our to-do items. The to-do items may be researching an idea or thinking it through further or acting on that idea. And then once we've gone through that and starting to get to the point where we can now add these back into our written plan and then also capture these ideas for maybe for next round of our plan development, or maybe for others. So this is something to consider too, is that if we come up with 2,000 ideas and we only use 50 of them, that's okay. But it may be if we record those ideas and make those available on the internet for other groups that want to develop a communications plan, then maybe we could give them a head start. So I think part of this is developing our plan, and then part of this is documenting our journey so that other people can benefit from that, hopefully. So this is kind of my preconception of how this process is going to go. We'll see you know, how the, the group responds and how this works. And, but I think I'm trying to apply a, you know, how, do, how, do big, how does big companies and bigger organizations solve problems through this brainstorming process and through this creative process and hopefully bring that to a smaller group and get even better results? than we would without doing that. So this is Monty Rowland. I'm kind of sharing the state of our communications plan development. I hope this helps you as you're developing your communications plan for your group, be it a small group, smallest maybe unit being a family, or being at a bigger group, a community group, or a regional group. But hopefully us sharing our, our journey and our successes and failures and thoughts, maybe that'll help you. This is Monty Rowland signing off. Have a great day.